Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Boozy Book Club, where we're going to be discussing Ursula K. Le Guin's novel, The Wizard of Earthsea. A Wizard of Earthsea. Is it A? <laughs> yes. Oh, crap, it I is. Wizard right. of Earthsea. That's... No, it, it reminded me of, like, Portrait of the Artist of a Young Man, because I oh, never yeah. know if it's, like, yeah. a, or the. a artist or the artist. Yeah. Well, probably just a wanted wizard. to be closer alphabetically <laughs> to the beginning. Yeah. This one I kept looking at it, like... A wizard of Earthsea? Mm. Well, there's like multiple any wizards. Of yeah. <laughs> one of them. There are definitely more than one. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's cool. Um, I screwed up. So, <laughs> um, I guess should we go around and introduce ourselves? Yeah. Um, so I am Jessica, and I recommended the book. I'm Erin. I'm Katie. And I'm Gabs. We're short-staffed Boozy Book Club to... This month. We'll make up for it in <laughs> yeah. booziness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I believe I'm the only one who's read this book before. Um, I think I read it back in, I don't know, middle school or high school. Um, I had just heard about Ursula K. Le Guin because she's, you know, a famed fantasy author. And, you know, I figured I really like reading, I guess, the history of a genre and sort of seeing the origin points of a lot of the different themes and tropes that we see throughout um and so this seemed like a good foundational piece of literature i suppose as a fan of fantasy i'm not really a sci-fi person but i love i don't know i love fantasy i love magic i love walking around in forests and finding like magic creatures <laughs> and schools and that sort of thing so this is sort of a nice starting point for that and um i don't think i've read the other books in this series, um, but I have read this, and I'm hoping to read more Le Guin in the future. And then all of you, this is your first time? Yeah, um, I've read um, another Le Guin. I read it for my college biology class. Um, I read uh, the word for world is forest. I can only say that because I haven't had that much to drink. It's like a sci-fi novel where, like, two like human species got separated and like evolved differently hmm. and like one became really docile and they're like not really like recognized as humans they're like kind of like Ewoks is how I imagine ha. them they're like really docile and like not violent and then the other ones are like sort of humans as we know them and then like they meet each other and the humans like enslave the other no. Ewok humans and it was really messed up and it was like super like environmentalist and like hmm. very like anti-war because she wrote it during Vietnam and mm. stuff okay. it was really interesting and I like just picked it like on a whim we had like a list of like 20 books and that was the only fiction book <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't want to have to read about science <laughs> um and I remember really liking it but it was like super weird hmm have you guys read Le Guin at all before? Nope. I have. Um, for novel ideas, I'll go ahead and plug my nice. podcast with Ben. We read The Left Hand of Darkness. Um, I forgot that was by her. I yes. That, but I, yeah. Yeah, we read it um, specifically um, for, like, we were doing, like, an LGBTQ, like, themed series. And it's so, like, that book's claim to fame. She must do, like, cool, weird experimental stuff mm -hmm. because... In that book, there's someone on a planet who's from, like, an Earth-like planet, and he goes to this other planet to, like, kind of as an ambassador, and the thing with this planet is everyone is genderless, 
mm-hmm. then they like they essentially like, go into heat like once a month and if they're near someone like one of them will like grow male parts and one of them will like grow female parts or they oh. might but they might both grow male or female parts i think there were actually like same sex sex in the book as well Hmm. and then they'll like mate and if you become pregnant then you maintain like the female body long enough to like give birth and then you go back to be genderless (laughs) um it was pretty interesting it kind of turned i thought it was really interesting until like the last half and then it kind of turned into like a survival narrative where the main dude and like his buddy were crossing like a frozen tundra and it was just about how they were surviving i was like Bring back the gender <laughs> politics. Yeah. Um, so I had, like, mixed feelings about that book. I thought it was a cool idea, but I didn't love, like, how she executed the second half of the book. Yeah. Um, so I was, like, not sure what I, how I would feel about this one, but I always did want to read more of her just because she's, like, a lady, like, a famous lady author. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that should get some attention. As opposed to, like, I've read, Ben's made me read a lot of classic sci-fi for the podcast, so I've read, like, Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. and Robert Heinlein, and, uh, some other douches whose names I can't remember, Isaac mm-hmm. Asimov, mm-hmm. and, like, I thought all of their books were, like, really boring and male-dominated and, like, didn't care about them, so <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, you read a book written by a woman, so. Yeah. And Although, I- this book was pretty male-dominated. It was, yeah. which it's interesting that you said that the other book that you had read was so, I guess, progressive as far as gender politics is concerned, because uh, she wrote a lot of her books in like the 60s and 70s and 80s, and mm-hmm. you know, she was sort of, I guess, a pioneer, I guess, in the genre and sort of paved the way for um, a lot of... Like everything. Yeah. And <laughs> so th- the fact that she was so progressive in that book, but I do feel like you know, one of the things that I want to talk about with this book is that it really is sort of male-dominated, and it, like, explores a lot of old-fashioned, I guess, ideas where the men are generally, like, the wizards that get to go to the school, and they get yeah. to, like, get acclaim for their magic, while the women who do magic are just sort of, like, hedge witches that just sort of do shady things. And yeah. yeah. I was like, why the fuck are there no lady right? wizards? When, yeah. That yeah. would be mad. When, like, that point, yeah. when he... They were like at the school, and like the dude's wife came, and it was like that was the only woman we ever saw at the school. Which like, I think was the first like point where they delineated that it was like only dudes at the yeah. school. And I was like, why the fuck not? Like, <laughs> you're a lady, you could put some ladies in. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was all the more strange because I thought she was very progress. Like I thought the cast was more diverse than a lot of current books. Like there are a lot right. of like brown and black skinned characters, and she makes it clear. And this was during the '60s, where you know basically fantasy was all white, and like to this day it's Tolkien, still. The, it's like, I know yeah. to this day it's still very much predominantly white. So it was very interesting that her cast was diverse in terms of like ethnicity, but not in terms of gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was weird they had like that lady who was you know just around to be beautiful. Yeah. And then when he ran into his, like, childhood friend again, and basically her only purpose was to be, like, evil seductress woman, and I was like, this is so weird, like, and then, like, little sister who bakes things. Yeah. And that's like, clearly destined for him. Yeah, Yeah. like, who's gonna marry, which (laughs) is creepy. That one old lady on the island who never spoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she never said anything. (laughs) (laughs) Ursula K. Le Guin, what are you doing? To be fair, they did not speak the same language. (laughs) Yeah, because she is just, like, a regular white lady from, um, 
the U.S. or whatever. So yeah. it is interesting that she is so, I guess, diverse in her racial, um, I don't know, pickings? I don't know. Um, but not as far as gender. And I guess um, there was actually, there was some sort of miniseries that they made on the Sci-Fi Channel in 2005, and Le Guin was very vocal about criticizing it because she said it was whitewashed, because I guess mm. they yeah. only cast a lot of... It was vetch, like, was also not very, black. It was uh, very critical of the, like, Miyazaki movie that they yeah. made. Mm. She apparently just doesn't like adaptations. They made an... Miyazaki or like Miyazaki Studio. I don't think it's actually Miyazaki. Yeah, I like think it was Studio. Made, I think it was his son. Yeah, made like a Tales of Earth scene movie, oh. and she was huh. like, "I do not like this." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she seems she seems to be like a very vocal yeah. person in general. Um, from so I tried doing a bit of research, I guess, before all of this, and I guess she's sort of credited as introducing the idea of a wizard school. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So we have her to thank for Harry Potter? That's like literally yes. the first wizard school. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, Bravo. Yeah. I'm pro that. <laughs> Apparently, it seems like she's a bit salty, though, about the Harry Potter books, because um, she said that... <laughs> they copy off of her? Well, I guess... There's nothing alike other than that there's a wizard school and there's magic. Well, apparently she's she seems salty that everyone is praising Rowling for being like so original. With like everyone just praises J.K. Rowling and her originality for her series and blah blah blah. And she was quoted as saying something like, "You know, she really ought to give you know more credit to all of the books that came before <laughs> her." Essentially saying like, "Clearly, these books wouldn't have happened without me." I kind of well, I don't know. I kind of agree though, because I feel yeah. like Harry Potter is not that original of a story. It's just like a no, really I well agree. crafted story because and the characters actually have character development like, in Harry Potter. I mean, Potter. I don't think that J.K. Rowling like necessarily talks about like the things that inspired her. She more, like yeah. talks about her own narrative like, when like she talks about writing the Harry Potter. Which yeah. she borrows a lot from. Yeah, yeah. and she definitely mm-hmm. does borrow a lot. So I mean, like, I can see that as like a legitimate criticism. Yeah, even though I like love Harry Potter. I yeah. Just, she doesn't credit other authors, but she'll no. credit, like, oh, this legend that I looked yeah. up for mm-hmm. blah, Or, like, blah. Aragog is just straight up, like, Shalab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, well, I mean, I can see that, but at the same time, like... Whatever, she's a super old lady. She can say whatever the fuck she right. wants. <laughs> she's earned it. <laughs> Plus, her name is Ursula, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's just cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so she's 86 years old, and, like, the reason why her book initially, I guess, came to mind for me is that I guess there was recently a Kickstarter campaign um, where there's this person who is making this documentary about Ursula K. Le Guin since hmm. 2009, hmm. and they finally wanted, like, funding to be able to put it on video, and I guess Neil Gaiman, like, had tweeted out about it, and I saw that, and I was like, oh my god. She's alive. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I did not know either until I, like, looked her up on Wikipedia. I was like, oh, she's still around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, like, when I found out Harper Lee, I mean, Harper Lee is no longer, but when she was still alive, or Madeline Langle is, like, 90 and still alive. Really? Shit. They're really clear. Just turned 102. Mm. Oh, I thought she was 102. No, she's 100. Yeah, I saw that. And she's, like, still doing shit. Yeah. Like, going out and talking to people and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. The key to... I feel like it, if you're a writer, you either live really long or really you short. You die really yeah. young. Yeah. Lois Lowry is in her, like, 
maybe like, Wait, like she's, oh, she's no, yeah, she's and still, she lives in Cambridge, and I want to go find yeah, her. Yeah, no, she's still <laughs> crank. Like she, she's like an HMH author. She's still yeah. cranking stuff out. We should like, email her and ask her if she would join us in a boozy book club. Oh, the Giver. Oh my god! So yes. I'll get really drunk and talk about the Giver with Lois Lowry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> where were we? You know, I see this as a piece of foundational genre literature. You know. We have Tolkien, there's Douglas Adams, there's Terry Pratchett, there's general like fairy tales and fables and Grimm and all of that. And I guess where do you see this book kind of falling into the genre of foundational, I guess, fantasy literature? And do you think that it's useful, I guess, for people who are into the genre to read something like this? Or do you think it's not really necessary? I thought... Um... So the Tolkien comparison, that was the first thing I thought oh, when yeah. I started reading it, was it reminded me of, of Tolkien. It's kind of the same... I guess when I started reading it, I was interested to, like, see the writing style was, like, very obviously crafted to feel like a... Like, like an old hero's song kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, more detached and just, like... And once I kind of, like, got into that groove, I was actually, like, thought it was pretty interesting... I might say if someone's, like, interested in reading some old-school fantasy but doesn't want to, like, slog through a thousand pages of Lord of the Rings, then yeah. this is, like, a fairly good alternative. Yeah. I definitely uh, don't. <laughs> because it is less than 200. Like, that was actually the thing I found most refreshing about the book is I yeah. was like, I'm reading a fantasy novel that's not even 200 pages. Right. This is I incredible. Was, when I was reading it, I was thinking, like, if George R. R. Martin wrote this, every single one of these chapters would be an 800-page book. Yeah, if like, George R. R. Martin wrote this, his characters would actually have development. Thank you also, very much. Also, Whoa. he would have been dead long Snap. before he finished. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that is true. Even if he had started in 1960-whatever when this book came out. Yeah. And Katie, like, I, I definitely get what you're yelling about, because, like... I my, my my biggest complaint complaint about the book was I couldn't connect to any of the characters. Yeah. But at the same time, when I thought about like how it was constructed, I was like, maybe you're not really supposed to. I was kind of struggling with like how much she wanted you to like love the book and like cherish the people in it, and how much she was just trying to kind of do like a style of writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean. This is not a book for me for those very reasons because it is it's not character driven at all and that's mm. that's why I read. I read to connect with characters and I care about the characters and if I read a book and I don't care about the characters then I personally am not invested but as you were saying Jess about the foundational aspect of it I think if you approach this book as a foundational story about world building mm -hmm. then I think it is um I think it is an important fantasy, and I do think, you know, it's um, writing kind of on the coattails of Tolkien, but also, you know, creating an entirely new world in, in a refreshing short amount of time. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, if you look at this as purely, like, world building, then I can appreciate its cre creativity. I just don't appreciate it as a story. I thought it was really interesting because I, like, did feel like I was reading sort of, like, a relic of fantasy. Mm. I think that the things that it reminded me of were, like, as its successors were Tamara Pierce and then mm. also Diana Wynne-Jones' Howl's oh. Moving Castle. Love both of those. I yeah. love both of those. And, like, yeah. when I was reading it, I was like, I can really see that, like, the, both of those authors have probably read Ursula K. Le Guin mm -hmm. and, like, have been influenced by her. And so I think that even if I had hated everything else about it it would have been interesting just to read it like as something 
that was like a foundational document but that being said I actually did like really enjoyed it I think that like it is not a binge book which I feel like so many books that are published currently are especially books for young adults which like this book was published for young adults was it yeah this was like which I think is like interesting because like when you talk about her other books like with the gender politics and like war criticism and stuff like this is definitely lighter on that sort Yeah, it's true. Thematically, <laughs> it's definitely lighter, and so you can sort of see that she's, like, writing fearing adults. Well, but. I have an interesting tidbit about that, because this, um, so HMH acquired this book, and at first, it was an adult book, so it was actually going out as an adult book, and then it switched to, um, the young readers department mm-hmm. recently, so. But I think she wrote it yeah. for young adults, yeah. because her, like whatever she had her like afterward was like i had never considered writing for young readers until blah 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 and then we're talking about like yeah. the story I actually my person didn't have an afterward i don't think mine did uh, either i think Ooh. it's interesting though because if you think about it as a precursor like a like an old fantasy story then it's i mean not that it's like the oldest YA out there because there's stuff that's yeah. written a long time ago but maybe it's also kind of foundational for like modern ya fantasy um I really like the connection you made to Tamara Pierce and Diane Wynne-Jones, because then that makes me think one of the most important contributions Ursula K. Le Guin is just to have been like, look, women can write fantasy and science fiction. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if you can see her inspiring like female authors writing the same genre mm-hmm. that you love, then for that reason alone, I think it's like yeah. mm-hmm. very important. So I guess uh, I wanted to go back to Katie's point about um, having trouble connecting with the characters because I do think that that's my biggest struggle with the book as well. Um, And I think that's partly because the writing style of it is just so different than what I'm used to nowadays where I feel like sometimes authors are kind of writing for the movie in a sense and they're sort of I don't know, they have all these like heavy dialogue filled scenes that have these quippy one-liners and it's, you know, stuff that's supposed to be quotable that you would be able to throw up on the back of a book cover or something. And I feel like um, Ursula seems to be writing in a time. I shouldn't have first basic. named her, that was weird. What if you're um, this podcast as a my six year old woman? <laughs> but she's kind of... <laughs> She's writing in a time before that where it's there's really very little dialogue because I think it's sort of Ged or Jed? I Ged? Oh, that was my main question. Was, I was is it Jed, Jed or Ged? Yeah, I, was I thought it was Ged, Ged as yeah, well. I was a Jed. I mean, person. it's kind of a disgusting sounding word either way, but <laughs> <laughs> along with like vetch. Like, that's so Vetch and Ged. <laughs> Stop trying to make Vetch happen. <laughs> but Astariel is, like, so Lord of the Rings, so. Yeah. No, that one's a cool name. But, like, a lot of these, you know, a lot of the story is sort of just Ged within him, <laughs> his own self. And he's, like, in his head a lot, and he's just, there's just long periods of observations and just you know, the big paragraphs of description that, you know, sometimes in other books you might skip over because you get a little bored of it. And so I think that's something that's sort of a bit difficult to adjust to is that we're sort of reading these books with a modern frame of mind where we're used to these, you know, quippy, fast-paced, dialogue-filled pages. And so that gives a, a lot of character, I feel like, to a lot of different books. But I feel like here, because it's sort of, I don't know, 
ethereal maybe I'm not really sure what yeah. the right word is but it's just more theoretical and it's you know there's not as much of that character stuff because it's all in your own head I agree I think I was sort of saying this and then we got pulled off onto some other thing but then like when I realized that it wasn't like a book that I could binge which is why I'm glad that I started this book early and not like yesterday uh that I sort of like the first like 20 pages I was like trying to like read really fast like I normally like I just read really fast and I like sort of like had to like stop myself and like slow down and like relish in the language and after that I really started to enjoy it way more and I think that like yeah it's just like not a modern book and I think I'd also help is that I've been making an effort to read more classics so mm-hmm. I was like in a more of a mindset to like read a book like this yeah. which is why I think that helped me enjoy it a lot yeah I think I think the main thing that helped me like the book um better than I would have was when I started reading it and kind of went okay when I read this I have to like turn my mind in this direction and accept that it's like this sort of writing yeah because if you try to read it as of like a modern day book you're gonna be like what the fuck is this nonsense (laughs) see and here's where I argue that it's not a matter of modern versus old to me it's a matter of show versus tell and this book tells you it does not show you and I, I think that's why I just could never, like, I never reached that point where I just accepted it and I was just like, I can't, like, I can't get into this because it is too description heavy. And I agree that I think we're used to a lot of, like, modern, like, not modern, but, like, I, I think we want to see more quippy dialogue like we might see on TV, but I don't think that's necessarily, like... I just feel like this was too derived of dialogue. Like, it didn't have to be, like... Because if a book has too much dialogue, then that's not a book. That's a teleplay. Yeah. But if you're... Like, I I just had a very hard time getting past the endless description. And and that's the thing. Some Some people are into that, but I just... It wasn't enough. I really wish we could have gotten into into Ged's head because we follow this guy everywhere Mm -hmm. and I just feel like we never actually got to know him other than that like we could kind of assume he was a little bit arrogant at the beginning and you know he learned his lesson and and such but I just like I just couldn't um I just couldn't connect to him I actually felt like I knew Vetch better yeah yeah, exactly and the most disappointing part of the book to me was was the climax was the very yeah. end when it's like yeah. oh he like fell over and then Vetch was trying to find him and then he found him and then he's like this is how I defeated it the end and I was like <laughs> seriously yeah. no, that was pretty lame um but hey if it was like the first of its kind but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no I think Vetch yeah. had a lot like more potential than Ged like I think he was more interesting than Ged and I like I think he had a lot of potential and I was sad that I felt that I didn't get to know Vetch more. But I'm also not a huge fan of, like, always of, like, the character who's, like, destined to be super powerful. Yeah. So from the beginning when they're like, oh, God, you have a ton of power and you're... And, like, you even find out, like, on page one, it's like, oh, he did all this and then became an archmage. So I was like, well, immediately I have, like, no stakes in his story because I know he's going to defeat this thing and, like, yeah, become an archmage. So... 
<laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where if you can like separate, like if you can say, okay, this is supposed to be a tit, like a foundational tale meant to show how this came, like how this great character came to be. Like if you look at it as a foundational children's tale, then you can accept it. But like, like I respect that. But at the same time, like as a personal reader, like trying to read for pleasure, I'm ju- I'm just like meh. So I'm gonna disagree with you on the archmage thing. Not specifically that, but there were, like, points in the book where they would, like, he, he would be like, and he found out later that this yeah. was this way. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I fucking want to know how he found that out. Maybe we should read the next book to I mean, find out. I wanted to know that, too, but then it was more like, I think I was more interested in, like, his future stories than yeah. his current one. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he found out this ring was, like, this thing, and he went and did that, and I was like, that's cool. Why am I reading about him, like, sailing after his shadow? Yeah. yeah. I don't care about that. Well, what's interesting about his future is, I guess, so I think that there's, shoot, it's either five or six books in the series, and she wrote the first three all within, like, a three or four year Mm -hmm. time span, and then she revisited the series, you know, like, 20 or 30 years later. Okay. No, the most recent one came out in, like, 2001 or something. Okay. Which is interesting. And And this one was written in the 50s? This was 1968. Okay. Um, so I would be interested to see, I guess, how her writing style might evolve throughout the series, and if she starts to pick up on, I guess, the styles and the themes from other authors, and if she changes things, but I do, I don't know, I do kind of hate it when books are like, oh, and later, this person found out about XYZ, and it's, it, I do feel like it ruins the suspense a bit, if you're like, well... I mean, clearly things are going to be totally fine. Yeah. But. Yeah, that was, like, those moments actually kind of, like, took me out of it. Because I was like, well, first of all, that sounds cool. (laughs) And second of all, like, yeah, now I know he's, like, going to be fine. So then I wasn't that concerned about it. I never, though, think that the character is not going to be fine. (laughs) And he wasn't fine. He, like, had some issues. Some, like, lifelong issues. Yeah. I mean, something, so I had remembered before I began rereading it, like, what the ending was, and that, oh, the shadow is himself, and as long as he names it Ged, like, things are good. (laughs) Um, But I couldn't remember if the first time I had read it, if that ending was a surprise or not, or if it was something that I saw coming a mile away, and I wanted to be like, just say your own name, just say your own name. Like, was it something that you guys anticipated, or were you like, oh, all right, fair. I did not anticipate it, but when it happened, I was like, I guess that way she was, that's why she was harping on about true names, like, so much. <laughs> that, that makes more sense now. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, like, expect that to be the way that he, like, defeated it, but, like, for me, it actually, like, since she, like, built it up enough, it, it worked. I just kind of wished it had been a little more yeah, exciting. Was, yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't surprised, but it wasn't necessarily something that I was expecting, but I didn't. I also didn't go in with a lot of expectations at all. So, yeah, I I I agree with Erin. Like it was wasn't. I just was not into this book at all. So I wasn't making any predictions about what was going to happen <laughs> okay. because I was having a hard enough time staying awake while reading it. But you finished it, Katie. I've well, not finished so many books. Yeah. No, I no, I have to. I I am <laughs> very. Nice. I'm a very uh, masochistic person, and I. Hey, at least it wasn't like no, it was 180 pages. Yeah, I mean, Katie, do you feel like if, like, taking the general, I guess, structure of the plot, if some other author that you know you love had come in and written this book, but 
you know, in their own style, but with the same sort of general plot and structure, do you think it could be something that you would like, or do you think it's just altogether not? Oh, yeah, no, I think, I think if it had a different writing style, then I would have liked it, but I think it was just because the characters weren't fleshed out enough, and because of the writing style, I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't get into it, Mm -hmm. Um, but I can definitely, and that's why I am curious to see, like, the adaptations that have been done with this, because I feel like these could have really good visual adaptations um, if they did something with this world and, like, actually... Because that's the thing. I think there's a lot to work with in this story. I just don't think it was fleshed out in a way that was meaningful to me, and I just basically read it but didn't process it or care about it so i'm still i'm sitting here like i don't even know what the fuck happened in this book so i have to say that i actually did really want the first archmage to become like a dumbledore (laughs) but he got killed off too soon i liked that he died yeah (laughs) i just thought it was interesting like not that like he deserved to die (laughs) i feel like it like made it so there was like some sort of stakes yeah yeah you know and also the fact that he, like, didn't come out completely unscathed. I actually always like the young person fucks up and older, wiser person comes in and, like, manages to, like, mitigate their disaster <laughs> for a bit before, like, they figure out what's going on and, like, ultimately... Yeah. I'm always a fan of that. When they're like, <laughs> oh, I fucked up and the world's gonna come to an end and the old wizards come in and they're like, wait, 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 wait we can stall this. I like that, like, the guy, the original guy died, and then the new guy was like, I don't know if I can trust you. Yeah. Like, there, show that there was, like, I like, mean, fair. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like a lot of, like, to was, show that it wasn't. If it was fucking Harry Potter, Dumbledore yeah. would have been like, it's fine. Yeah, like, it would have been, he would have been like 400 points for Gryffindor. Yeah. Gryffindor wins the house cup for Harry almost destroying the fabric yeah. of space and time. So it was refreshing. <laughs> um, the thing that I would be interested, like, I don't know if I will bother to read future books or not, but the one thread in this book that I was, like, this must get resolved in one of the later books is the, like, the Jasper, um, like, yeah. rivalry. Yeah, what he, happened to him? There's, like, yeah. he's, like, he's, like, Mitch, what happened to Jasper? And he's, like, oh, he didn't get his staff. I guess he became a sorcerer somewhere. And I'm, like, that's gotta be in a future book. Because otherwise yeah. it's, like, the most random like, thing ever inserted. Their rivalry was so confusing to me because I was like, he, Jasper never did anything to him. (laughs) He was haughty when they first met. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, what's this Ged started being a little bitch, and so Jasper was like, I don't like you, you're a little bitch. This is why character development is important, so these things don't come out of the field. I agree. When they, like, got into their big fight that, like, caused Ged to, like, summon the thing I was like I don't even know how this happened all of a sudden he's just like what summon a dead person I was like okay that was one of the only scenes that I actually had any clarity during where did that come from I think it kind of makes sense though because he was like the only person like with like any sort of like magical skills in his like village and so when he like so he was used to being, like, hot shit, and then when he, like, went to the school for wizards, he was like, I'm hot shit, and everybody was like, no, you're not, you're just one of us now, but then yeah. he was hot shit. and I, anyway, I appreciate but. the tension of, like, oh, you know, if Jasper came from, like, a wealthier place, and mm-hmm. Ged comes from, like, a tiny little goat village or whatever, um, like, that classist stuff, but it just wasn't really, like, explored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It- felt a bit like a prototype of like the Harry Malfoy totally. sort of right yeah. now that we like... mentioned it's like the first wizard school that's the first thing I thought of was yeah. like Harry Draco 
So where's the Jasper Gedfic? I bet there is some. I'm sure there. I mean the Ged and Vetch. Let's let's Google. (laughs) I personally shipped Ged and Vetch if I had to ship anyone. And when the sister showed up, I was like, I was sort of like, I don't know. Given how names are so important and so precious in these books, and how it was like such a big deal that they gave each other their true names. They seem, like, very flippant about, like, just having conversations with, like, other people around where they're calling each other by their true names. And I was like, (laughs) this doesn't seem very secret of you. The conversation that pissed me off the most was when Vetch was like, oh, here's my sister's true name. I don't think she would care. I was like, dude, (laughs) that's not okay. Well, he probably thought Ged was about to die. (laughs) It wouldn't matter anyway. Well, didn't Ged guess? the sister's name so that's well, why he told he him. said he said she reminds me of a minnow and he's mm-hmm. like funny you should say that her true name is whatever which like <laughs> is like the old word for minnow yeah. so he's like you basically guessed it anyway i was like no no that's not okay <laughs> yeah it's like if you say i don't know it's like if someone's phone number was similar to their social security and like you said it out loud to someone it's oh yeah funny enough that is their social security as well <laughs> okay i'm totally the person that would say that so don't tell me your information <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i was pretty pretty sore at veg for just giving his sister's info away freely give uh, her give her some like sort of power over her own life she's a woman She's been baking you bread for the past however many years. I mean, I guess should we get into the gender politics a bit more? Yeah, just sort of, like, touched on it, but... I just found it creepy that it was so obvious that his sister was, like, gonna be meant for Ged and she was 14. And I was like, please stop. I don't like this. Well, I mean, Ged's not that much older. He's 19. I don't know. I didn't really, like, I mean, like... I could see it happening in the future, but I feel like it wasn't, like, I don't know. Not super obvious, yeah. like, they're definitely gonna get yeah. married. It wasn't, like, look thank at how hot this 14-year-old is. God, thank, thank God. <laughs> because a male author would have been like, look how hot this 14-year-old is. Yeah, true. It just, it reminded me too much of, like, the, like, the male hero comes in and then, like, here's this girl and now he's gonna marry her. And I was just like, ugh. Played out for me. Yeah. I'm sort of thinking about, like, I think it might be the reason that it's so male-dominated. I'm thinking about, like, the young adult genre in the 60s and, like, what I'm thinking of, like, Catcher in the Rye. Like, that is probably the standard of young adults. So she was like, I'm going to write for young adults. Like, at that time, like, at this time, like, in modern day, if you say young adult, I think people automatically think of writing for young Mm -hmm. women. And, like, but that time... It would probably have meant the opposite. I think The Chocolate War also came out in the late 60s or early 70s. Mm-hmm. A book, by the way, which I despise with every fiber of my being. <laughs> but it is an early, like, YA, and it's, like, all boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a... Like, is Lord of the Flies YA? Yes, I consider it YA. Yeah, me too. And that's all boys, yeah. too. So that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, although it's still sucky to, like... Be like, I'm gonna read this famous female fantasy author. She'll finally, like, break away from stuff other, like, classic old white male authors do. And then yeah. it's like, here's a book full of dudes, and here's, like, a pretty chick and a girl who cooks, and <laughs> the wives who are, like, afraid to talk to. Yeah, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought this book was written by a man. Cause yeah. 
I agree. I do wonder how much of that may have been like a publisher's influence yeah, versus her, because I think this is one of her first books. Yeah. Books, so I don't think she really had the credibility to be able yeah. to fight back. So I could see this being something that was just like, no, you have to like kind of stick to the party line here. We're already like publishing a female author in fantasy, so don't yeah, don't push ridiculous. your luck. But no, I do think that's like a valid point. Like. If she had gone off the rails and been like, yeah, feminism yeah. in the 60s, oh, yeah. we're talking about lady wizards, like, I don't think it would have been published, or at least as widely circulated as it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I guess that's the thing, and, the, and she might not, like, I don't think a lot of people were, people were even thinking that way, like, she probably wasn't even thinking that that was something she could do, because if you were going to write a book about girls and magic, it would be like... I'm thinking of a book by Eleanor Estes called The Witch Family, and it's just like a like a little a tale about like a little girl witch at like a little at like a girl school, and that was written around the same time as this like book. Nerds everywhere. Um, but it was a lot more innocent, and it wasn't really like fantasy world. It was more like witch school and like the real world, like mm-hmm. little girls learning how to. Yeah. So there really wasn't a mixing. Like you either had mm-hmm. to write a boy high fantasy or like. A girl, low fantasy. That's interesting that you said that I've never actually read, I don't think, a book about, like, a witch school. I feel like it's only been, you know, like Harry Potter, where it's, like, mixed gender, or it's been, I guess, okay. this, where oh, it's yeah. all guys. Like, no, witch, like, that was definitely a thing, like, a witch, like witch schools. Like, it wasn't high fantasy. It was, like, let's turn people into frogs. Like, that kind of magic. Yeah. Like... Yeah. useless. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I'm saying like low fantasy, yeah. but that did exist in the fifties, like just like, you know, about little girls like doing that kind of stuff. But it was very innocuous, very like Keep you know, low stake, like cutesy, yeah. like they're probably yeah. younger too. Yeah, meant for a younger audience. So I mean that that was definitely a thing. It was just, you know, there wasn't really a mixing there where you had you know, crossover. Like, you didn't see boy wizards in those books, and likewise in the high fantasy, you didn't see girl witches. That's actually kind of interesting, because it's making me think about how, like, inherently, like, if it's written by a dude and about dudes, then it can be considered, like, high fantasy or, like, like, proper literature, and if it's, like, about women or written by women, then it's typically considered, like, just for fun and public consumption and, like, cutesy little girl books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which is, like, still even kind of true sometimes today yeah because i think a lot of people look down on ya i was actually thinking about today was thinking about um pierce brown's red rising which is a book that i really like and it's like a ya sci-fi and it's like so prestigious and i'm like i think that if it was written by a woman it would not have nearly the prestige attached to it same with like um, rick yancey's yeah the the series or even like ready player one i think those are all like as like as much as I enjoyed the oh God, Red Rising, remembering the name of this book, <laughs> like if it was written by a woman, I don't think that it would have gotten nearly as much attention. So there's like a different kind of attention. Yeah, yeah. It would have gotten attention like within the YA community, but like Red Rising has gotten all sorts of attention. So yeah. Or I remember reading a thing where people were like, authors like John Green and Patrick Ness mm-hmm. are often like lauded as like writing this great YA. Yeah. And then if a woman writes something, they're just like, oh, it's just, like, another, like, girl wife. Yeah. I mean, how do you think Harry Potter, though, like, fits into all of this? Do you think it's, like, a special magical extra thing? Or do you think, what, 
Okay, uh, <laughs> Katie I definitely just, has an opinion about no, that. No, I just had an epiphany. <laughs> oh. I think J.K. Rowling was so successful because she managed to finally marry the two. She managed to finally marry high with low fantasy, where you have these young kids at this wizard school, and their adventures start out innocuous, and they get into all sorts of, like, you know, like, fun that's based on, like, their social relationships. But at the same time, you also have this world building going on where you have this whole other world outside of Hogwarts and this culture and this lore behind it. So she, I think she was successful because she finally managed to marry the two. And you have both male and female characters. Do you think that it would have been as popular, though, if Harry Potter had been, a like, a Harrietta Potter? Or if yeah, had written as Joanne. Well, that, yeah. well, that was the thing. At the time, she still had to, you know, kind of pretend she was, not pretend she was a guy, but change her name because that was still kind of a thing. But I think she paved the way. Yeah. By marrying the two. By the time everyone was like, oh, J.K. Rowling's a woman, like, the books were popular enough that people were like, the stigma was gone. I was actually reading um, something, but, this is only tangentially related, about how, like, women use initials so that people don't know that they're women, and so now, like, in the writing world, if you use initials, people automatically assume you're a yeah, woman. Yeah, I've... I've hmm. But no, I think that's really interesting, because, like, reading the book, I was kind of tempted to just be like, Ursula K. Le Guin, you disappoint me. Why'd you write so many dude characters and just write women who were, like, in typical female gender roles? But then, like, if I think about it, then I can... It's, like, not necessarily fair to be, like, 2016 me to, like, look at her from, like, yeah. that point of view and not take into consideration all that other shit. Yeah. yeah. I do wonder if, you know, she had the chance to, I guess rewrite a different version of this book today how she would change it like whether women would have a more prominent role whether you know were there other plans that she had in place that she you know would get to implement now that you know times have changed one thing i actually thought was interesting uh, when ben and i read left hand of darkness my main complaint um was that even though like they were on this planet of like basically genderless people the default pronoun she used for every single one of them was he. Mm. And I was like, she really should have come up with, like, a different pronoun because now I'm just reading he for all of these people and it makes me feel like it's a book full of dudes. Yeah. And apparently, like, I don't know how recently, but fairly recently, when talking about Left Hand of Darkness, she said that's, like, actually one thing she regrets about it. And that mm. she would change, like, even though there's only, like, actually one guy in the book. <laughs> um, that it feels like it's a book full of guys. She said she would change that so that it's, like, it was more um, ambiguous and androgynous and, and didn't feel as much like, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's possible that she would have similar... She seems yeah. pretty outspoken, so yeah. yeah, it would be interesting. I'm, I'm interested, and I think that I might read um, The Tales of Ursi, which is the one, it's like a collection of short stories. It's the one that came out in 2001, mm -hmm. just to like see how, like, if it's changed at all. Because, you know, 2001, that was still like 15 years ago, but... Mm. A lot later than... Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot later than like 1968. Yeah. Yeah. This was like at the back of my mind the entire time I was reading it, like... Just, like, how impressed I was that, like, she was a woman, like, writing in this huge boys club of science fiction and fantasy in the 60s. And, like, I think that just, like, endeared me towards the book a lot while mm -hmm. I was reading. Mm -hmm. Just, like, knowing that she probably did not have a great time of, like, getting respect from her peers. Yeah. And she was still really successful at it. 
and like paved the way for a bunch of other people to do like similar work I was just like the whole time I was reading I was just like you go girl (laughs) I mean do you guys still think that the fantasy genre has a I guess male dominated kind of sense to it do you feel yeah in terms of both audience and I guess the material not audience but definitely material I, I feel like science fiction and fantasy or at least the way they're treated by like the media people are still like oh wow look at this woman writing in this male dominated genre and I recently read a thing because um, I follow N.K. Jemison on Twitter oh, yeah. because I loved the fifth season mm-hmm. so much and she said um I guess actually about 50% of fantasy writers are women now, Hmm. but the media overwhelmingly still covers the books written by men. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Uh, And fans of the books are pretty... It's pretty even, too. Yeah, I mean, all we need to do is look at last year's Hugo Awards and the craziness that erupted over that because of all the dude bros getting mad about, you know, all the, like, supposedly pandering toward women and, you know gay characters and minorities and how pissed they were because of that it's like yeah it's still very much I mean there's still a faction that believe you know it should be a boys club and it's like any they feel like any diversity is enforced I will say like the one positive thing about the Hugo Awards um like aside from that complete nonsense was in the war when the awards were given last year the science like the community was strong enough in like not shitlord category that um in the categories where like the dude bros had like stacked the categories they actually didn't award anything Hmm. enough people voted like no award that um the people who like tried to stack it in their favor actually like abysmally failed yeah well and the nebulas were this week and apparently which is a sci-fi another sci-fi fantasy awards and apparently like women just like swept and like no dudes want anything, so I think it's. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that it's is an better. exaggeration. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I definitely think it's getting better. Like, didn't a Chinese author win last year? Yeah. Um, yeah. and like for the novels, at least this year, like N.K. Jemison is a black woman. She her novel got nominated for a Hugo. So I mean, like. It's definitely getting better, but I, I think the, like, popular conception is still... Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of, like, yeah. conversation going on within the community, but if you're not, like, an active part of that, even if you're, like, a casual reader, you might not be getting that conversation, like, flowing to you. And I um, I know that, like, even with Game of Thrones, I mean, George R. R. Martin, clearly white man, but um, I guess for the show, in season two, they changed one of the characters who in the book was, like, described as white. They cast a black actor for the role. Yeah. And a bunch of people freaked out. And, like, when Renly and Loris were overtly gay in the show, a bunch of, like, people freaked out, even though they're extremely, very clearly gay in the books as well. Um, at least I think so. But, so, I mean, like, some of that backlash definitely is, like... Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say, they've whitewashed other characters, so it all balances out. (laughs) (laughs) They did well in some aspects, and fucked it up in others. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, and, and I mean, for all the traditional gender roles, I, I think Katie mentioned this at the beginning, like, the one thing I definitely give hella props to the book for is when she's just straight up like, oh, yeah, Ged's brown, Betch is black, like, white people are actually, like, weirdos. That, <laughs> which I thought was, like, interesting. The Viking, yeah, like, the Viking yeah. people. <laughs> um, 
And, like, yeah, she went out of her way to actually, like, make sure to say, like, by the way, this character is, like, not a white person. Yeah. Multiple times. So that, um, when you're reading it, you're actually like, oh, thank God, it's not just a book. And that's what, and that's what I liked about the book, was that I think a big criticism of fantasy, it's like, okay, if you can have all these, like, different kinds of peoples and different, you know, creatures and animals, it's like, how can you make all your humans white? And that's what I, I think about cultures is that people are like, oh, there weren't any black people in medieval times and it's like that's the biggest bullshit i've ever heard like it's like these are fantasy worlds if you can't imagine a fantasy world with many different kinds of people in it then like that just goes to show how racist and skewed your worldview is so like i like especially during the late 60s i give her mad props for like coming up with such a diverse cast like, yeah. the, it wouldn't mean anything nowadays, but, like, back then. Like I mean, I still think it would mean stuff nowadays. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, even... I still think, yeah, I still think fantasy is pretty white. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it definitely, like, I think if she did these days, it'd be like, oh, it's forced diversity. Like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, totally. Yeah. Like, she would get a lot of crap for it. So, I mean, but she was brave I mean, she got crap for it in 68. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was a different kind of crap, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, that was one aspect of the book I thought was really cool, how she's just casually, like, like, everyone from, like, Gaunt is brown, and, like, Vetch is, like, super dark-skinned, and... Oh, you know what, back then they probably didn't even, they probably, it was kind of the whole thing when people didn't realize Rue was black, even though she was clearly described as black, it was, they probably, like, just didn't even, like, it didn't even, like, Register. you could say this person has, like, ebony skin, and they'd be like, like, oh... I can only imagine white people. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly, you could say someone is, like ebony and they'd be like oh they're italian yeah i do kind of wish that ged had i guess more friends and just like (laughs) well he had the one friend and then his kid died oh yeah that (laughs) dude so then they never made friends again and vetch and vetch Vetch. that's it yeah disappeared oh and his little pet creature yeah yeah like that i totally miss when he found it and when he died it was just all of a sudden there and i was like what the fuck I feel like this is evidence that J.K. Rowling just stole everything <laughs> from the Otakos' Hedwig. Nice. You have something to answer for, J.K. Yeah. And I mean, I guess something else that was sort of taken from the book to transition a bit is the whole idea of, like, the power of a name with the whole Voldemort mm. thing mm-hmm. and how powerful that was and how if you, you know, fear of a name only increases fear of a thing itself. And I think that's sort of a common theme I guess throughout and I thought one of the scenes I thought was most interesting was with the dragon and how the dragon was defeated not by like some impressive sword play or whatever it was just kind of like through words and the power of language and it's just like nope I know your name and so I'm going to defeat you altogether and I don't know. Yeah, I thought that that was an interesting twist. Well, yeah, but if we go back to the copying stuff, that's a, that's kind of what happened in The Hobbit, too. Like, I understand Ursula K. Le Guin's a little bit salty about Harry Potter, but it's like all stories have come from each other since the beginning of time. And we don't even know if J.K. Rowling's actually read Tales of Earthsea. Like, it's just, those are just so many, there are just so many tropes in fantasy that she could have been borrowing these tropes not even knowing that they were in Tales of Earthsea because they're just so universal, I guess. Um, I, I agree with that. I think, like, it's interesting. One of the things I think is interesting about reading Tolkien 
is like sometimes when you read the books you're like this book is just a ton of fantasy tropes and then you're like oh but it like literally created all of them so <laughs> it wasn't at the time um and now people who've like never read those books would still know all those tropes and so could like borrow from it without actually like consciously borrowing from it yeah um exactly yeah but i will say like even though I thought the dragon showdown was a little anticlimactic, I always appreciate someone defeating someone by being a huge nerd. Hmm. <laughs> he was like, well, I read a ton of books and I found out your name. I, I like, thought that was cool. All right, I'm I down. I'm down. <laughs> I mean, that's about all I had. I, I think if anyone else had other things they wanted to talk I think we've about. discussed everything that I have on my list. I think we had very similar things on our list. Yeah. Yeah, the main thing I just wanted to say was... Um, I would recommend the book to people with, like, the caveat that, first of all, like, um, the style of writing it is, I would be like, definitely don't read it if you just want to read for, like, characters, because then you're just going to be like, fuck this book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if, yeah, people are interested in just seeing, like, an old fantasy novel and where some of that stuff comes from, and, like, they're cool with that. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, again, I know we already said this multiple times, but I was just, like, so tickled to be reading a fantasy novel that was less than 200 pages long. Yeah. I was like, thank fucking God. That's, like, why I don't, I don't read a lot of fantasy, mostly because I'm just, like, I'm not committing, like, 900 fucking pages of my life. That's a lot of time. Yeah. For, like, a seven-book series, and each of them are, like, 900 pages. I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah, and I feel like the standard now is when I do read fantasy, like, sometimes they do need to be that long. Yeah. But a lot of the times, it feels like the publisher was like, well, fantasy books are now 600 pages, so you yeah. need to, like, pad this out with, like, random bullshit. Yeah. And I appreciated that this book did not have a ton of random bullshit in it. Yeah. And I know... <laughs> Katie's like, even at 108 pages, and it's random bullshit. It always annoys me, too, that it's very difficult to find fantasy that's not part of a series, which I know that this book is, again, like, probably also you know, helps set the tone there, but it's one of the things I love about Neil Gaiman is that he actually writes, like, independent fantasy books, and I would love if other authors did that more because it's hard to ever get other, like, outsiders who don't read a lot of fantasy into fantasy because you can't tell them, like... Read one book. Yeah, read this one 900-page book and give it a shot, you know? That's not something you can... And, I mean, like, this had a very self-contained story. Like, there's no, like, impetus to, like, keep on reading. Like, you have the complete story. It's not like, and Voldemort is still alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just the Jasper thread that's kind of, like, out there, but... That's totally the new thing in YA, too. I feel like the last time I read a YA... I don't know the last time I read a standalone YA. Yeah. I feel like they all end up being the first in a series. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do we want to go around and give our ratings? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I gave it a four star on Goodreads. I really, really enjoyed reading this, and I thought it was super interesting. And if you are at all, like, into fantasy, I feel like this should be, like, some sort of, like, required reading, just because I feel like it is so formative for so many fantasy authors that you're, like, cheapening your own fantasy, like, experience by not acknowledging that this was, like, a precursor. Yeah. But uh, I say that as someone who does not actually read a lot of fantasy, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, it's very hard to rate it because this, I mean, the 
the writing style just wasn't for me. So mm -hmm. I can appreciate this book and what it's done and what it's paved the way for. But on a personal level, I just didn't enjoy it because I like books that are character driven and I don't like books that are just heavy with description. Um, so, I mean, personally, I, I give it a two out of five, but not because it's a poorly written book, but because it just wasn't, um, it just didn't cater to my interest, I guess. It had a lot of potential, um, but it just didn't have enough um, character to it. I was going to say, one of the things that I do sometimes is I rate books about, like based off personal enjoyment, and then I do a second rating based off of, like, how important I think it is or like it's yeah. value as like literature because sometimes I don't really like a book and then I'm like but I can definitely see like why yeah. this is important that's yeah. how it was about the fifth season I was like I yeah. do not really like reading this but the, the I get fifth why. season was a hard five for me I fucking love that book <laughs> but I get um, why people like it and yeah. it's important so um yeah I'm I'm kind of with Katie um where I could, like, definitely appreciate some of the stuff the book was doing, and, like, once I got myself into, like, the mindset of, like, what the book was trying to do, I feel like I enjoyed it more, but at the same time, like, the lack of character development was, like, a fairly big struggle, um, so I would say just, like, based on, like, purely enjoyment, I'd probably go for, like, a three stars, but just in terms of, like, the fact that Ursula K. Le Guin is, like, very important and that sort of thing, um, then I would, like, maybe kick up, like, the importance or significance of the book to, like, four or five stars, but just, like, based off of, did I like it? Eh, I liked it okay. Um, so, I think that this is a book that, now that, I don't know, I'm older and I've read so many more things within the genre, it feels a bit more dated to me, just because the tropes are a bit more familiar. Um, so I think it was something that I had enjoyed a bit more the first time, but I do think that it's just historically within the fantasy genre, which I love, it's so important, and I think it's nice to be able to kind of go back in time, I guess, and recognize and appreciate the history of the genre. So, I don't know, I think of this almost like a Gilgamesh of the... <laughs> fantasy genre which yeah. <laughs> I don't like read Gilgamesh for fun but like I've yeah. read it and it was like important and it had yeah. sort of like an old style I yeah, guess no, that's um so I liked it I think it's important I think it's something that fantasy fans should read at some point so I gave it a four out of five uh I guess that is it for this edition of boozy book club yay <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to check out everything else we have. You're already on the website, so I guess I won't bother to plug the website. But thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.